Our Constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. We the people are free. Just a song before I go To whom it may concern It's easy to get burned is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border And politicians build a new world order too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn UN Taking your right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned. of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and so very glad to be with each and every one of you. Uh, I'm humbled and I'm honored that you've chosen to listen to this broadcast. So thank you very much. And whether you're listening uh, to the podcast, uh, pretty much wherever you may hear podcasts, or if you're listening via terrestrial radio stations across the country, you know, great stations like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. Uh, I always like mentioning them specifically because they are the flagship. They were the first terrestrial radio station to uh become part of the Tap into the Truth broadcast family, so I mention them a lot because they're always near and dear. Uh, whether you're listening on other uh, worldwide web platforms like The Last Frequency, uh, no matter where you're listening, 
thank you so much. I, I just appreciate you being here. Got a special treat for you today, by the way. Uh, in today's second hour, I'm going to play for you a portion of a conversation that I had with Mr. Ken Crow just uh, yesterday. Uh, we sat down, we had a talk. It was very informal, and, uh, you know, there were times where uh, I was kind of trying to work in the background, too, and talk at the same time, and I think it kind of <laughs> kind of shows through pretty badly. I'm trying to learn some new software, and it didn't work out very well. Ken was extremely patient with me, too, as I was working some stuff out, and uh, it's really good when the people that you're talking to and trying to help bring those conservative messages are also your friends and have been through the battles and have fought their share of technical issues themselves, uh, it does build patience, and uh, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, like I said, we'll have uh, uh, part of that conversation in the second hour tonight, and we'll have uh, a continuation of that in an upcoming broadcast. Now... For those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on terrestrial radio, and just in case you might have not paid attention to the date when you hit play on the podcast, the time of the live broadcast so happens to be uh, January 26, 2022. It's around 7 p.m.-ish as I get uh, underway. And we got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, in fact, I initially had planned on playing... Uh, conversation with Ken, or at least part of the conversation with Ken in the first hour, but so many things have happened that I really, really want to kind of touch on these items first, and then we will still air that conversation, because it ended up being a great conversation. We, we kind of, like I said, it was very informal. We, we chatted a little about football, although just barely NFL football, uh, before getting into things, and, uh, you know, we just kind of touched on a few things here or there, and I was stumbling over some of my uh, direction as I was trying to move one way. And, you know, I, it's one of those things where you kind of critique yourself. But uh, like I said, I was kind of distracted trying to work on some other stuff. So I'm going to give myself a pass. Uh, but more importantly, I'm going to ask for grace from you. Uh, remember, it has been a, a little while since I've had guests on the show in the first place. So uh, it's... One of those things where I've got to get back in the saddle, if you will. And Ken's a pretty good guy uh, to let you do that. Meanwhile, let's go ahead and start things off the way we normally do here in the first hour, and that's with some quick hits. Uh, first and foremost, uh, something that is absolutely lighthearted and fun to talk about. I came across a story this morning. I, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person to, to talk about this, but I haven't seen or heard very many people actually mention it. Uh, it seems that uh, there was an article today, and uh, it kind of insinuated that the Russian tapes, <laughs> the, the Steele dossier information, that it might actually have been real information, just not about Donald Trump, uh, as it would appear. Now, I, I want to take you to the way back machine, if you will. Go with me as we remember that in the beginning, the Steele dossier was being put together by Hillary Clinton. Hillary and her people wanted some dirt on the Trumpster. And so the next thing you know, this convoluted scheme happened. But you see, before there was a Hillary versus Donald Trump, before there was a basket of deplorables, before 
the orange man whose bed was officially crowned as the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, and the climate arsonist, there was another potential political adversary, a rival that Hillary Clinton was so concerned about. Uh, as it turns out, word has gotten around that Joe Biden actually did reconsider the possibility of running back in 2016. He thought he could beat Hillary. He thought he could beat Donald. And he believed, quite, eh, should we say delusionally? I think that's a good word. Quite delusionally, he believed that he was the better guy for the office. So as a way of heading off this potential issue, an idea was born, brainstormed, if you will. And that idea, of course, was I may need some oppo research against Joe Biden. And here's the thing. Hillary, Bill, uh, Obama, uh, everybody in that inner circle, every anybody who actually really knew Joe Biden at any level at all, uh, interacted with him daily, they knew what a train wreck Hunter Biden was. They knew Hunter Biden would be a liability and a potential source of blackmail uh, should he actually ended up holding an office that was of any import. So this this rumor, this this idea, this notion, uh, which evidently there seems to be some supporting information. I'm not going to go so far as to say that this belongs outside of uh, my little segment that we call the conspiracy corner. Because I'm not certain that there's enough here to say, hmm, maybe there's something there. But... The idea here is that all the information in the still dossier that was allegations against Donald Trump might have actually been completely 100% true, but the name had been edited. It wasn't Donald John Trump taking golden showers, uh, you know, being the germaphobe that he is. So very likely he would participate in that kind of behavior. No, no, the idea, the notion, the thought is that the original name on that dossier was Hunter Biden. So there you have it, some food for thought. I, again, I, I'm not saying, yeah, that, that's absolutely right. I'm not saying that there's maybe not a little something there. I'm just saying, hmm, let's spend a second in the conspiracy corner and see if we can have some fun. Speaking of fun, this one's kind of funny. Uh, last couple of days, we've been hearing from Neil Young about how his music just shouldn't be, won't be available for Spotify to stream if they don't cut ties with Joe Rogan. Well, first of all, Mr. Young, with, with all due respect, and, and you know, I, I do have an appreciation for some of your music. You were a little before my time. Uh, I mean, I, I'm still more of a a child of the 80s when it comes to the music scene. Uh, that's where I first started. So, you know, you were you were already being considered classic rock for the most part by the time I started actually paying attention to music. But, yeah, I, I have an appreciation. But here's the thing. Even at the height of your career, which, by the way, I do find it a little hypocritical that, you know, you are one of those hippies. You are one of those, hey, man, uh, peace, love, uh, freedom, uh, uh, freedom to express yourself no matter what, man. Freedom of speech is just an extension of that. Uh, the fact that you were one of those guys and that now you want to cancel 
Joe Rogan, <laughs> along with evidently the uh, <laughs> the uh, a Surgeon General of the United States, thinks that they should censor, censure Joe Rogan uh, for COVID misinformation, of course, uh, a terrible crime in the modern age. And we've got a COVID misinformation story coming up as one of the main topics, so don't go anywhere for, uh, for that either. But this is the notion. Uh, even at the height of your career, you know, I, you were not a big enough deal that alone you were going to be able to get Spotify to turn their back on the Joe Rogan experience. This podcast makes them more money and brings more ears to the streaming platform than any singular catalog of the musicians that are there. They paid a lot of money uh, to exclusively offer the Joe Rogan experience. It's a big deal for them. They're already committed. They're not going to break that contract. They're not going to just pay Joe Rogan to go let the podcast be somewhere else, to lose all those listeners just to keep Neil Young music. How do I know that? Well, in case you haven't heard at this point, Spotify didn't waste a lot of time. They're already, uh, a few hours before I went on air here, uh, making the announcements that uh, Neil Young's music's no longer going to be available. They're in the process of taking uh, all of the Neil Young stuff out of the rotation. It's not going to be available on Spotify. So, Neil, you, you get your way, brother. You get your way. Uh, he, made the, he made the statement literally, you can have Neil Young or you can have Joe Rogan, but you can't have both. Spotify didn't waste any time at all in making their decision. It's like, if that's your ultimatum, if that's how you feel about it, first of all, we don't like ultimatums. So even if there was good business to keep you over them, eh, the ultimatum thing might have been enough to make us say, eh, I don't think we should uh, partner anymore. But, you know, at the end of the day, it wouldn't have been very good business. And Spotify is, they haven't become that dominant music streaming service that they are uh, for both music and podcasts. Uh, one of the many places you can find this podcast, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they haven't done that by being dumb. Speaking of podcasts, uh, let me go ahead and uh, let the folks know that if you are listening at SoundCloud, uh, there's like this huge gap in shows. For some, I, I did not realize for a long time because I, I don't go back and check all the different locations where you can find the show. Uh, like AHA Radio. Uh, I need to go back and check and see if they've corrected it, but they, like, stop uploading shows uh, back in 2019. Uh, they have several shows previously that they stopped. Uh, SoundCloud, I caught, uh, just happened to notice there. I went and checked, and there's this huge gap over there, too, where uh, they had so many of the past broadcasts, and it just kind of stopped. And now, as of this past week, this should be like the second or third broadcast now that is uh, automatically reloading now that we had it fixed. But there's not an easy way to fix uh, getting the uh, previous shows in between caught up. So if you're one of the folks that were following me over at SoundCloud, and that's where you like to listen to the show, and uh, you kind of got miffed that there's not uh, any new ones for quite a while, and now maybe you have noticed that it's back, uh, I would like to point you in the direction of uh, maybe a Spotify or maybe a, a iHeartRadio, uh, any one of those places, uh, anywhere that you get 
podcast, really. There's a really good chance that you'll find the show there, and there's a lot to get caught up on, and I would like to invite you to do so. Uh, <laughs> at any rate, yeah, uh, Neil fought Joe, and Joe won, and he didn't have to do a thing. Spotify, uh, <laughs> Spotify issued the KO. Um, also, as a quick hitter, here's here's a a good one. Um, evidently, we found out from the Secretary of State that uh, through leaked audio that uh, the situation on the southern border is much worse than uh, than we've been led to believe publicly. Uh, they're acknowledging that. I, I myself, uh, I have a simple response to that. No, duh. Yeah, for those of us who've been paying attention, you know, we, we've kind of gotten quiet talking about the situation on the border, which actually is one of the topics that did come up when I was talking with Ken, so be sure to listen to hour number two. And if you're listening on terrestrial radio, tune in again tomorrow to get to hear that conversation because that's when you'll get to hear it, most likely. Um, we, we cover a lot of topics. That was one of the topics that came up, but the border situation has not changed. It has continued to get worse and worse. We saw last week reports where December, uh, the numbers of apprehensions on the border in December was worse than the last 20 years combined. 20 years, two decades in one month. This is the Joe Biden legacy, complete, total, and unequivocal failure <laughs> there's just there's no way to sugarcoat it so hey yeah it's great that they're finally acknowledging uh, hey it's a lot worse than uh, we thought but the problem is this acknowledgement is coming from a leaked audio uh, they're still not admitting it publicly they're gonna have to answer for it but uh, they're not admitting it publicly oh well all right and of course Again, uh, I'll remind you that the time of the live broadcast, in case you happen to be listening after the fact, the, the big news of the day was the breaking story that Justice Stephen Breyer uh, has decided to retire from the Supreme Court. Now, of course, this led to all kinds of speculation. This led to folks talking about whether or not Kamala Harris might get nominated because they're looking to <clears throat> nominate a woman of color. Uh, they want to have the first black woman to sit on the court. Uh, obviously, uh, Joe and the left seem to think that uh, color and gender, even though they keep telling us gender is not real, it's just a, a, a social construct. Uh, so it's important when it is, and then it's not real when it's not important, I guess. I don't know. Stop expecting me to explain liberal logic to you. There is no logic. And I'm sorry. Let me take that back. They're not liberals. They're just leftists. Liberals don't want to shut you up. They may not like what you have to say. But uh, they're kind of really the free speech folks. So anyway, they don't know what to do with, uh, with Kamala. So maybe they'll send her to the Supreme Court and then pick themselves a new vice president. Except we've talked about how that would work. Um, there was speculation of uh, some resentment from uh, Justice Breyer because evidently he didn't make this official announcement. 
And he seemed kind of mad. Reports came out that he was uh, really mad that this got leaked because he wanted to make the announcement on his own, in his own timing. A lot of people were speculating, uh, conservative folks out there, that, yeah, this is just another one of those uh, indications that uh, the Democrats know that they're toast in the midterms, that, that this is their last hurrah, their last real opportunity, most likely for some time, to guarantee, not that that's actually the case either, that they will get the nominee that they want, have them confirmed and seated uh, to replace Stevens. Stephen Breyer is currently the oldest member of the court. Stephen Breyer has been under a lot of pressure from leftist activists to go ahead and retire now uh, because they don't want him to repeat the same mistake, and this is a mistake only in the eyes of those activists, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg made. Because, you know, she absolutely refused to retire when Obama was still president. And then when she... Uh, got to the point where her health issues claimed her, well, then the orange man who's bad was in office, and then all of a sudden, the balance of the court shifted. Now, I, I got some bad news for you. Even if you're a just a, a regular, everyday Democrat, maybe a little more than than left of center, just a little further left, but, you, but you're not necessarily a hardcore Green Party tree-hugging, uh, shut down all of humanity's existence to accommodate the rebirth of Earth, uh, full-blown globalist, uh, leftist agenda kind of person. If you're not one of those people, but, you know, maybe still just a little further left than the average uh, left or center folks, then you should actually want conservative constitutional originalists on the court. Because they serve you just as much as they serve conservatives in this country. The idea is that the job is one thing. The job as a Supreme Court justice is to determine whether or not legislation that has been brought at the federal level cuts constitutional muster, as they say. Does this actually fall within the authority granted the federal government in the Constitution? And if you're an activist and you're trying to create social uh, policy uh, through the court, regardless of what the Constitution says, then you're doing a disservice to the entire country. So, you know, you've got all these things going on. And then uh, <laughs> here's the really fun part. I came across a headline just a little time before coming on air. And uh, the headline here reads that McConnell could stop Biden from replacing Justice Stephen Breyer due to a little-noticed backroom deal. And I think you'll remember this deal when I go into the details. So let's talk a little bit about this before we delve any further. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell can reportedly stop Democrat President Joe Biden from being able to replace the Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer should he indeed decide to retire as expected. Now, evidently, there may be some, possibly even enough resentment at this early leak that Breyer may be reconsidering retiring at this point, just as despite the folks that leaked this story, evidently. But anyway, uh, here's, here's the rest of that report. 
With judicial nominees, only 51 votes are needed to confirm a nominee, commonly referred to as the nuclear option. Thank you, Harry Reid, by the way. Because remember, the filibuster used to be in place for judicial nominees, too. Harry Reid eventually got tired of playing patty cakes, pulled the nuclear option, and Republicans have been happy to take advantage of it ever since. So anyway, the nuclear option here uh, just requires 51 votes for a judicial nominee. Now, in a 50-50 tie Senate, which is what we have right now and will at least until the midterms, Democrats will likely need all of their senators to vote for the nominee and then would still need Vice President Kamala Harris to be the tie-breaking vote. But you see, the nuclear option can go into motion only if the Judiciary Committee reports the nomination to the floor. A procedural move that says whether a majority on a committee recommends the full Senate consider the pick. Okay, that's important. Even Time Magazine reported this. Well, in a little-noticed backroom deal that took more than a month to hammer out because of the 50-50 tie, McConnell and Chuck Schumer agreed to a power-sharing plan in February that splits committee membership, staffs, and budgets evenly in half. If all 11 Republican members of the Judiciary Committee oppose Biden's pick and all 11 Democrats back that pick, then the nomination goes inert. The nomination doesn't die, but it doesn't get uh, parked anywhere until a lawmaker, historically the leader of the party, brings it to the floor for four hours of debate. Now, a majority of the Senate, 51 votes typically, can then put debate about the issue on the calendar for the next day. But that's, that's kind of the, the easy part. When the potential pick comes to the floor again, it's not as a nomination. At that point, it's a motion to discharge a cloture motion that requires 60 votes. So in other words, 10 Republicans would have to resurrect the nomination of someone already blocked in the Judiciary Committee. So McConnell told reporters on Wednesday that he was going to wait to comment on Breyer's retirement until an official announcement was made, which we do not have as of this hour that I'm broadcasting. Multiple news organizations reported that sources close to Breyer had said that he was going to retire and that Democrat President Joe Biden was expected to make an official announcement about the matter this week. Breyer, who is 83 years old, the oldest member of the court, was appointed back in 1994 by Bill Clinton. After the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg in 2020 and the appointment of Justice Amy Coney Barrett by the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, Donald John Trump, uh, he became, uh, Breyer, became the uh, subject of an energetic campaign by liberals, I'm going to say uh, ultra-leftists instead, who wanted him to step down to ensure that Mr. Biden could name his successor while Democrats controlled the Senate. 
Now, like I said, the rest of this story just rehashes things I've already told you, so I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, I find it interesting, very interesting indeed, that this is the situation. This is the circumstance. You have a Supreme Court justice who has, uh, he's old enough now that health will be a concern moving forward. And you just got to wonder, what is the point of breaking this story early and risking upsetting the judge? Well, the, the plain and simple answer is, is that these leftists, they don't care. As long as they think they're winning. And then when it comes to the media, everybody still wants to be first. They're okay being wrong ever so often as long as they're first. All right, so... Going to go ahead and take the mid-hour break at this point, and then when we come back, we're going to start with the first of the major stories that I wanted to cover today, uh, some of which, surprisingly enough, some of which, surprisingly enough, you may not have heard about, uh, mostly because the legacy media and social media doesn't want you to know about it. But hey, The Blaze brought this story out, broke it wide open, and we're going to talk about it on the other side of this very brief break. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey. It's bad enough that the supply chain crisis of unloaded ships continues to threaten our economy. But is there yet another major reason store shelves may remain partially empty unless proper action is taken? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. In recent weeks, some of the container ships off the west coast of the United States were unloaded onto huge Union Pacific trains that have brought relief to the growing product shortages, or so we thought. But after the supply trains were loaded up in Los Angeles, they were literally allowed to sit there in lawless Los Angeles and be raided by thugs. Not one individual crook has been arrested for stealing billions of dollars worth of products that will now never make it to market contributing to the already horrendous Biden administration supply chain crisis, which was already bad enough due to a major scamdemic caused labor shortage. Perhaps this will help we the people to humble ourselves and seek God's forgiveness and providential guidance, as did the founding fathers. If not, forget about it. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the Internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. 
All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. All men and women created by the gold. You know the you know the thing. You're a lion, dog face, pony soldier. I got hairy legs. What in the hell's diversity? <clears throat> well, I, I could be wrong. But I believe uh, diversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. Somebody installed in the White House, like uh, barely there, Beijing Biden, one half of the administration, affectionately known as Operation P Pads and Knee Pads. Yeah, it's it's a nonstop cavalry. It literally is that situation where everybody loves a clown. At any rate, if there is one thing that is more certain than anything between everything going on with Crimea, uh, with Ukraine, with Russia, with legitimate fears. In fact, I for the first time, I heard some folks that typically don't pay that much attention to the news expressing concern. Somebody had told them, we're going to go to war with Russia. Uh, so they were concerned. Are we really going to go to war with Russia? Um, well, you know, I think we're going to have to wait and see how things play out. I certainly hope not, because the way that particular war would look would not be very pretty. And it would not be over very quickly. Uh, at the end of the day, the only people who would win a war in the Ukraine involving the U.S. against Russia, well, the only people that comes out as a winner there is China. And we certainly can't afford that either. So we'll hopefully at some point manage to get uh, somewhere where diplomacy can win the day. Uh, otherwise, yeah, this could get nasty. And it's hard to tell these people that and expect them to understand all the nuances and all the things that are in play. But at any rate, I digress from all that to get back around to this very simple point. In times like these, you must be self-reliant. And there's no other situations that remind you of this more than uh, these times. So when it comes to individual liberty, I've told you this several times, individual liberty, uh, it requires individual responsibility. That's the hard part. That's why so many folks on the left don't like it. 
but a big part of individual responsibility is that self-reliance. And nobody has been helping you be self-reliant longer than the fine folks at My Patriot Supply. So rather than go into this long spiel about uh, all the great food items with a 25-year shelf life and 2,000-calorie-a-day totes that's waterproof and ready to, to be there, and then the water purification systems and heirloom seeds and all the, the multitude of things that My Patriot Supply does to help you be self-reliant, I'd much rather just send you to go visit them. Now, some people have these big websites they set up, and, and, and that's great, by the way. I, I don't knock it, but me, I've got a link. <laughs> so what I'm going to ask you to do if you're listening to the podcast is go down into the show description, uh, copy that entire link that's out from My Patriot Supply, paste that entire link into your web browser, and go visit. By using the link, and make sure it's the whole link. I know some, some of the uh, podcast players... If you're reading the show description, part of the link will be live, so you can, you'd be tempted to click it. If you do that, it's not going to help me out. So put the whole link in the uh, web browser, and then go visit. Now, if you decide not to buy anything, that's fine, but it's certainly worth your time to go take a look at everything My Patriot Supply has to offer. And like I said, it makes way more sense for you to go see for yourself than for me to try and go down this big sales pitch. Besides, you get people trying to sell you this stuff all the time on other shows. I'm just going to ask you to go visit and go take a look for yourself. Now, if you decide to make a purchase, then please do so while you're using that link. That link is how they know I sent you. But even if you don't make a purchase uh, right now, but maybe you're thinking about it later, uh, come back and use that same link again. And oh yeah, by the way, uh, if you're listening to terrestrial radio, you don't have the show description sitting in front of you, then, aha, I have a solution for you, too. Be sure to come visit me at Tap Into The Truth. That's T-A-P-P, Into The Truth, all one word, dot com. That's tapintothetruth.com. There, scroll down that homepage, and you will see banners for all kinds of folks that I have affiliations with. Uh, clicking one of those banners will take you to their site, and it will work just the same as using that link. And so now, none of you have an excuse not to at least go check it out for yourself. Um, you've been hearing about them for years. Like I said, nobody's been helping you be self-reliant for longer. My Patriot Supply. That being said, let's get back to the show because you know, I'm kind of starting to feel like I am trying to sell you something. I don't like that feeling. I just want to talk politics. All right, so I promised you a major jab story. And here it is. It was a breaking story today. And uh, the main body here is from the blaze so you know uh, full credit props to the folks over at the blaze data transparency and surveillance that is what's been missing from the greatest experiment on humans of all time throughout this pandemic now military medical whistleblowers have come forward with what they claim is perhaps the most accurate and revealing data set on vaccine safety one could possibly find. A pro-pharma politicians and media claim the CDC's pharmaceutical surveillance tool, VAERS, that's V-A-E-R-S, is not good enough to trigger investigations into the shots because anyone can supposedly submit a vaccine-adverse event entry. Thus, 
all of the concerning safety signals from VAERS are being ignored. Even though the system was put in place as a consolation to the public for, you know, preemptively absolving vaccine manufacturers of liability. Well, seems like now some military whistleblowers are coming forward and they want to present the data. The data that, if verified, would signal extremely disturbing safety concerns about the vaccine that make the VAERS data look like child's play. This past Monday, during Senator Ron Johnson's five-hour hearing on COVID-19 second option, I'm, so, I'm sorry, second opinion, <laughs> second option, I, I wish we had a second option. Let me do that again. Second opinion. The Ohio attorney, Thomas Rennes, who has been representing clients suing the vaccine mandates, he presented a DOD medical billing data from the Defense Medical uh, Epidemiology Database. That's uh, DMED for short. Now, this database from the billing kind of paints what some people might suggest as a shockingly disturbing picture of the health of our service members since 2021. You see, according to the military, DMED is the Armed Forces Health Surveillance Branch's um, web-based tool to remotely query de-identified active component personnel and medical event data that's contained within the defense medical surveillance system. So, in other words, it contains every ICD medical billing code for any medical diagnosis in the military submitted for medical insurance billing during any given time period. So, let me break that down even simpler in case that's still not coming across. Basically, it's the codes for the insurance billing, okay? Basically, it means every time something has been diagnosed, something is uh, to be treated or would like to be treated or treatment of some kind was offered, whether it's therapeutic or maybe even just being seen in the office and what the diagnosis was, it gets recorded there. Now, the downside is, and I think they get back into that in this article a little later, but the downside here is you don't make connections with individuals. So you don't really know how many of these codes in any given day actually apply to a single patient. But the fact that all of these codes are showing up in this time frame, and you do apples to apple comparisons of how frequently these codes show up, well, that's kind of what leads you to the concern. So I'll continue here and let the author of the article fill you in. So... Like I said, every ICD medical billing code for any medical diagnosis that's submitted for the military insurance billing, uh, it shows up here. So you have a total of three military doctors who have presented queried data to the lawyer that shows a shocking and sudden spike in nearly every ICD code for common vaccine injuries in 2021. In a declaration under penalty of perjury, one that uh, attorney Renz 
plans to use in federal court doctors Samuel Sugloff, Dr. Peter Chambers, and Teresa Long, also a doctor, three military doctors, well, they've revealed that there's been a 300% increase in DMED codes registered for miscarriages in the military in 2021 uh, compared to over a five-year average. Now, the five-year average was right at 1,499. Now, that's a lot of miscarriages in a year, but there's a lot of folks in the military uh, doing a lot of physically strenuous things and so on and so forth. So 1,499 in one year seems like a lot, but a 300% increase? That's typically not a normal thing. Now, the attorney here explains uh, in an interview with uh, The Blaze that uh, these doctors queried the numbers for hundreds of codes from 2016 through 2020 in order to establish that baseline five-year average. These codes were generally for ailments and injuries that medical literature has established as being potential adverse effects of the vaccine. The attorney also said in this interview that the numbers tended to be remarkably similar in all those preceding years, including 2020, uh, the first year that the pandemic was recognized as a full pandemic, but well before the vaccines were distributed. Then, all of a sudden, in 2021, the numbers just skyrocket. And the 2021 data doesn't even include the months of November and December. So, for example, some public health officials speculate that COVID itself places women at higher risk for miscarriages. But the number of miscarriage codes recorded in 2020 was actually slightly below the five-year average. It was only at 1,477. Now, they're not drastically below the average on any one category in any way that one can suggest it reflects that lockdown-related uh, activities decreased the doctor's visits. Somehow, uh, somehow this led to an increase in 2021 diagnoses, which is also a place where the left is going to try and cover the medical failures here. Oh, well, you see, the reason there was so much in 2021 is these people should have went to see the doctor in 2022, but they didn't because, you know, COVID. Mm, that's not suggested by the numbers here. A little lower, but not a lot. Is he still with me? Okay, so the database has all the ICD codes for both military hospital visits and ambulatory visits. The data presented by the attorney here so far is all from the query of ambulatory diagnostic data. Aside from the spock, uh, spock, uh, aside from the spike, English uh, is my first language, I swear. <laughs> aside from the spike in miscarriage diagnosis, the ICD code uh, O03 for spontaneous abortion, uh, there was an almost 300% increase in cancer diagnoses, you know, from the five-year average of 38,700 per year to 114,645 in the first 11 months of 2021. There was also a 1,000% increase in 
diagnostic codes for neurological issues, which increased from a baseline average of 62,000 to 863,000. Now, some other numbers that uh, wasn't mentioned specifically in the hearing but were included in the interview information for uh, The Blaze included uh, Mike... Mike it included Bell's Posse uh, being up uh, 291%, uh, congenital malformations, this is for uh, children of military personnel, uh, 156% increase, female infertility, 471% increase, pulmonary embolisms, 467% increase, that myocardial infection, 269% increase. Now, all these numbers, all of them, are among the ambulatory visits because those who were the, those were the vast number of diagnoses in the military. Uh, that's where they typically occur. However, the attorney did say that the increases were indicated in the hospitalized patients as well, saying, quote, I have seen one of the sworn declarations from one of the military doctors, and it states as follows, according to the doctor's statement now, it is my professional opinion that the major increases indices of the above-discussed instances of miscarriages, cancers, and disease were due to COVID-19 vaccinations. All right, that's it. I've done it. I'm officially uh, being canceled by every platform out there. I, I used the V word. But, you know, I'm still um, tech overlords. I'm still just quoting what the doctor said. So that you know that the doctor's bad and you know to go get the doctor, right? Go get him. Go get them. Yeah, it's not me. I had to let you know. Okay. Uh, we're done placating uh, the tech giants and all the other weenies on the left. These vaccinations have not been thoroughly vetted. Now, these are still injectable therapeutics anyway. You, you can't change the definition of the word vaccine and expect everybody to go along with it. And they had to change the definition of the word to legitimately medically call them vaccines. I still don't understand what was simply wrong with calling them injectable therapeutics because that's what they at least told us they believe they were anyway according to uh, the attorney again it was the actual clinical experience of the three named doctors and several unnamed doctors that led them to investigate the DMED in the first place and their discoveries reflect their experience treating patients with ailments extremely unusual to healthy young soldiers since the rollout of the vaccines. Saying here, quote, I have spoken to one of the whistleblowers who attests to being gravely concerned with seeing young soldiers and sudden metastatic cancers, autoimmune diseases, and heart and circulatory disorders that have caused many soldiers to drop out of various training programs. These doctors were motivated to explore DMED data due to the numbers of cases increases that they were seeing empirically. 
This is direct quote from the whistleblower who served in the military for many years. Back to quoting from the whistleblower, some physicians throughout the force, all branches, have been intimidated by commands not to perform the full spectrum of testing and adhere to the regulations which implicitly direct full workups for EUA vaccination adverse reactions. It will require other military physicians to step forward and share experiences to fully ascertain the enormity of these allegations and engender an investigation to the fullest extent. Renz, the attorney, claims that he has a video with two witnesses showing the entire process of downloading this data from the database and is prepared to present it in court. It's also said during the interview that this is just the, uh, the tip of the iceberg. As the codes have increased exponentially in numerous other diagnosis categories. He said that his spreadsheet, which includes over 100 medical diagnosis categories, was shared with Senator Johnson and his staff before the Monday hearing. Now, it's important to note that these numbers do not represent the number, number of individual people diagnosed with various ailments. Now, that's what I said earlier. But the number of diagnose, diagnosis codes used in totality at any given time. For example, someone who has a stroke is obviously going to rack up uh, numerous neurological ICD codes over the course of a year with multiple ambulatory and hospital visits. However, again, like I said earlier, the apples-to-apples apples comparison from the previous five years clearly shows an unmistakable, undeniable, irrefutable spike in these ailments. If these numbers are verified in the upcoming court cases, then absent some massive military insurance fraud or bizarre glitz in the system, well, then this potentially paints a, a picture of vaccine safety concerns that would indicate that not only were the VIRS safety signals something that should have immediately been followed up on, but they are plagued by woeful underreporting. The military is a defined finite, and closely controlled and monitored population. They're also overwhelmingly young and healthy when it comes to the average soldier. If allegations of neurological, cardio, and cancer concerns surrounding the vaccines are true, then the military would be the most revealing place to discover it, and their data is the most reliable and undisputable. So this leads us to one simple place that we have to wonder, which is it? Is this a case, once again, of just political messaging being necessary so facts can be covered, disguised, reputed, buried, a.k.a. just a freaking cover-up? for the benefit of the administration? Or is this a full-blown failure, incompetence in trying to manage the system? 
incompetence and being being medical professionals on the administrative part because the doctors are catching this. The doctors are seeing it. The doctors have been ordered not to reveal this information. They haven't just been ordered. They've been intimidated into not breaking this order. So is this a cover-up? Or is this an instance where there's some weird insurance fraud going on that's just showing up in this fashion? Some unexpected and difficult-to-explain glitch in the system, perhaps. I mean, the question's asked right here, and these are legitimate questions, but the most important part of these legitimate questions is we need an answer. We need to know exactly what the real risks are. This is what should have been done in the first place. We should have been told up front. We should have been told if there's the instant that there was anything other, anything other than the average response you know, you constantly hear, I, I've heard the phrase quite a bit here lately from somebody that I, I know and respect a lot. They keep saying, well, you know, I haven't heard about anybody growing a third arm yet, so I guess it's safe. I, I keep trying to remind everyone that, you know, thalidomide was considered to be a miracle drug at its time. And it wasn't until patients that had taken it for an intermediate to long time started having children that we really realized how destructive to the human body so that a mind could be. This push to vaccinate children is dangerous because we don't know what the long-term effects are for the adults. We do know there seems to be issues with uh, fertility in women. We know there have been instances reported of neurological, neurological disorders. Now the question is how many people are having that reaction? How dangerous is it? I don't know. But this is definitely a story that we, the people, cannot let just slip away. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have to reset the hour right now. So uh, if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and, most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay Safe if you can. Crime's crazy. Stay healthy if you can. And uh, be smart out there, even if it goes against your nature. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. Um, if you are listening on the radio, tune in again tomorrow, same time, and we'll start right where I'm leaving off now. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. No man has a right to raise a hand to a woman. And so we have to just change the culture and keep punching at it and punching at it and punching at it. I'm cuckoo, I'm cuckoo. <laughs> just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago, I promise you, the president has a big step. I mean, he has made clear that uh, 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 
My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. I keep forgetting I'm president. You're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. Broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day, wherever you are and whoever you may be, and whatever you may be doing, uh, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And man, oh man, am I so happy to have you here with me today. This is the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast. And uh, tonight, I've got a special treat. 
yesterday I got to sit down and talk to my friend Ken Crow. Uh, and not only did we have a conversation beforehand, but then we had a conversation for the purposes of the show. And he was very patient as I was working through some technical issues and very helpful, actually, as well, as uh, allowing me to do it. And we, we ended up staying up uh, kind of late. And it required me to work on trying to get the audio finished up uh, today. So the time of the live broadcast, uh, in case you're listening on terrestrial radio and wondering, gee, how many days ago was this that they're talking about this uh, this information from so long ago? Well, today uh, just so happens to be January 26th, it's 2022, and uh, uh, it's somewhere around 8 p.m. Eastern uh, you, of course, can adjust your time zone accordingly. Uh, Ken was in a different time zone. Uh, that means that it's Wednesday, and it means that I had that conversation with Ken on Tuesday. So we'll get there in just a minute. But before we do that, there is one more thing that I really want to discuss for just a little bit. Now, obviously, if you're hearing this part of the broadcast, but you didn't get to hear hour number one, which is pretty common sometimes if you're listening on terrestrial radio because they usually break it down to one-hour blocks, then I can invite you to come uh, come find Tap Into the Truth wherever you listen to podcasts and go back and listen to hour number one. Uh, I think uh, you'll find it very interesting. We had several quick hits and a lot of other stories, but there's one more that I wanted to get in before that uh, conversation with Ken. Now, Christian ministers and commentators from around the country have officially come out and they've denounced Senator Raphael Warnock, a Democrat of Georgia, for calling himself a pro-choice pastor. Now, Warnock, who served as senior pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta before his election last year, well, he's a host of uh, theological views that, you know, he has a, a lot of theological views that kind of fall outside of the realm of Christian orthodoxy, including the notion that humans can save ourselves by good works. I got to tell you, uh, the gospel doesn't say that. In fact, the gospel says the opposite of that. It's only through grace, boys and girls. Now, the same applies to Warnock's denial of preborn babies as image bearers of God. See, he's okay with abortion, he calling himself pro-choice pastor. In fact, his actual statement, which you probably heard the other day, if you listen to this show, you probably pay attention to, to conservative news outlets and conservative stories. This had a lot of folks riled up for a minute. As a pro-choice pastor, quoting him now, I've always believed that a patient's room is way too small for a woman, her doctor, and the United States government. Now, this is what Warnock tweeted over the weekend which provoked several responses from Christians on social media. And we may look at some of that, but I want to respond to that right there. Because he's right. That waiting room is way, way too crowded to have the U.S. government involved. Abortion is not a federal issue. Never was, never has been, never should be. That's part of why the left is scared to death that a Trump selected majority court will strike down Roe v. Wade. That's why they understand that inherently Roe v. Wade is based on bad law, bad 
legal opinion, bad jurisprudence, and there are even several left-leaning jurists who will admit to that. At the end of the day, it's just a bad, bad idea. It's a horrible precedent. But the worst part is that there is no room for the federal government there. He's absolutely right. Now, is there room for the state governments to be there? They don't have to be. You see, they just have to pass a law, and then the presence of a law-abiding clinic and clinicians that are operating said clinic, that's all this required. They just have to follow the law, and each state's going to have a law that varies from point to point. And the, the great thing about being part of a federated group of states uh, unified together as the United States is you can visit another state. Now, I would suggest that if you are a pastor, then you should be preaching the gospel. But just to give you a hint of some of the reactions out there, uh, Samuel Say uh, from the blog Slow to Write uh, said, There are two more people in that room, a baby and God, and the two people you don't seem to care about. Uh, another response here, uh, this one from Allie Beth Stuckey. Uh, if you weren't familiar with her before, you should probably be aware of her presence in the Blaze Media. She's got a great podcast over there, and she was nice enough to join us here once. Uh, at some point, I hope to have her back, I think. It was a pretty good conversation. Check out the archives. Anyway, uh, Allie Beth said, you can be pro-choice or a faithful pastor, but you cannot be both. Uh, she continued by saying, quote, of course, Warnock's much bigger problem is not his views on abortion, but his views on the gospel, which I very much doubt he could correctly articulate if he tried. Um, and Abortion Now put out a uh, response saying, uh, a pro-choice pastor is nothing more than a servant of Satan. Uh, also, we have here from the First Baptist Church of Lindell, the pastor there, and G3 uh, Expiratory Workshops Director Tom Buck, uh, referring to the words of Jesus in John 8, 44, quote, This man is neither a pastor nor a Christian. He belongs to his father, the devil. Pro-choice pastor is one of the most evil contradictions in terms I've ever heard. This from William Wolfe. Uh, shame on every Christian who supported or gave cover to supporting this man. And in case you're wondering why William Wolfe sounds familiar and it's not clicking, he's a former part of the Trump administration. Now, in a recent interview with the Daily Wire, uh, Kevin, Kling, uh, Kevin King, Kelvin King, uh, alliteration being an issue here, a Republican running to beat Warnock, hopefully he will take that seat away from him, uh, he said that the lawmaker's abortion stance is out of line with Georgia values and not congruent with the word. You know, Nancy Pelosi's favorite word, the word. 
Anyway, uh, they're not congruent with the word he professes to believe. He actually supports pro-choice initiatives when it comes to abortion, and that's not really something that we can get behind as believers. He's a pastor of a church, and he's pro-choice. I don't see how that's congruent with the word. Anyway, all that being said, folks got riled up, and I have to admit, I did too. I was very riled up. I, I heard this guy, and all of a sudden I see left-leaning talking points going right. Pro-choice pastors, pro-choice pastors. Uh, and before long, you'll see a group of people that proclaim to be leaders of churches that will announce themselves as being pro-choice pastors too. Now, I'm guessing by now, even though I try not to be overt about it, I try to keep the show focused on the political. But I don't shy away from the religious. And so by now, it's probably been made pretty clear, especially since I proclaimed it, uh, I am a Christian. I believe that abortion is the murder of the preborn. It is difficult to imagine that you cannot see a preborn child as being an image bearer of God if you profess to have faith in the Christian God. Abortion in general is typically frowned upon in most organized religions. Except, of course, the religion of following the state. The religion of the global elitist leftists. The religion of the Great Reset. The religion of the New World Order. The religion where you worship and turn yourself over to them. The state, the government, the authority. Rather than be self-reliant, rather than be a person of faith. Evil is afoot. Evil is working in this world. We see it every day. We see children being targeted. Children being targeted by teachers. We talked about this in the last broadcast. Children being targeted by school boards. The very people that are supposed to be entrusted, being targeted, being left out because something happens and they would rather not protect the student if protecting the student means interfering with their narrative and their agenda. Well, we want to have uh, uh, bathrooms that uh, any uh, student that claims to be transgender can use whichever one they want. And the safety of the students, you know, the other students, well, we don't care. How do you know that's how they feel? Sexual assaults happening and being covered up. Fairfax County, Virginia school system literally asking the Supreme Court to give all school systems across the country one free rape before you decide to hold any of them accountable. If you missed the last broadcast, we talked about that story in depth. I got a little heated. Not heated enough. But a little heated. All right, so since the uh, conversation with Ron was a bit of a long one, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, that uh, uh, break that's usually at the mid-hour right now, and then we'll see where things end. Now, well, I'm only going to do part of that conversation that I had with uh, Ken, 
and uh, we'll pick up the rest of that conversation later. And before I move on from there, I want to also let you guys know that uh, Doug Giles is slated to be joining me soon, and so is Ann Ubellis from Southern Sense Talk Radio. So uh, we're lining up the guests. I'm going to try to make this stuff work. Stay with me, and I'll be back right after this. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey. You know the jab must be a total disaster if the leftist-leaning bosses at Starbucks says no to those shots. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. We all know that for decades, Starbucks ascetic coffee makers have supported every leftist policy and practice to the bitter end. They were front and center among U.S. corporations in support of the government forcing sovereign individuals to take not one, not two, but possibly three or more jabs and boosters. But as is sometimes the case, common sense kicked in. No nation, large or small business or family, can properly function if individuals are forced to take jabs and wear harmful face diapers, which at best have been proven to be inconveniences and at the very worst detrimental to health and used to obliterate our unalienable right of personal choice, which, by the way, is one of the hallmarks of our constitutionally limited republic. Could this be a light at the end of the tunnel of jabs? I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. My name is Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. I keep forgetting I'm president. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the Internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that. 
host, Tim Tapp, and this is Tap Into the Truth. I want to welcome each and every one of you, no matter how you're listening. And I want to remind you that uh, there are things you can do if you want to help support this show. You can visit my website, tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. You can uh, visit uh, the websites uh, that are affiliated with the show. Uh, you know, go make a purchase something that you want anyway, and uh, get a small commission for sending you their way. And one of the companies that uh, that we work with is called Fire and Flavor. Now, Fire and Flavor is really great because with spring upcoming, and I know right now it kind of feels like it may be really far away, but it really is just around the corner, guys. I mean, it's almost February. By the time February, the shortest month of the year, is over, we're heading straight into spring. So that's a good time to be planning on, I don't know, little things like uh, cooking out. Now, if you're somebody that likes to grill out, but you don't like the hassle of trying to, uh, you know, take up grill places, then maybe a grill system like the Hero Grill System would work out. That's something fire and flavor does. Plus, they've got all kinds of specialty rubs and seasonings and and specialty uh bricks to, to use with the grill that'll just bring that flavor uh, to another level but I can sit here, I can try and sell stuff to you, but uh, let me just say go down into the show description if you're listening to the podcast, copy the entire link, paste that bad boy into your uh, web browser and go see for yourself everything that Fire and Flavor has to offer. If you like cooking now but you don't like uh, the difficulty of being able to get out and get away. and uh, I mean, who doesn't want to go on a picnic and still not be able to, to have honest, genuine grilled food? It's a great system. They got great products. But don't take my word for it. Go see it for yourself. Again, put the entire link in that uh, that web browser. And if you're listening to Terrestrial Radio or you're just not in a position where you can uh, follow that link right now, then a little later, might be easier to remember, come over to that Tap Into The Truth website. I just uh, Come visit me there. And while you're there, let's go ahead and uh, click uh, several of those banners and, and go visit because uh, you help me out either way. And you're not out anything if you decide you don't want to buy anything, but, uh, you know, Generating web traffic is still good grounds for sponsorship uh, pitches. So, you know, you still get to help me. Now, it's time to, to play that uh, conversation with Ken Crow. Before I do that, I want to remind you that he is the purveyor of Conservative Daily Briefing. Uh, you can find that at conservativedailybriefing.com. I will have a link to that in the show description as well. But if you are just listening to the radio, that's conservativedailybriefing.com. Uh, easy enough to find a lot of good stuff over there, including an occasional uh, op-ed from me. So, hey, what are you going to do? So here's that conversation. And remember, uh, be kind on my part of it. And uh, this is just part of the conversation from yesterday. Uh, it was a good one, though, once it got going. Ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Ken Crow. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as always, I greatly appreciate you being here, and it is a distinct honor and pleasure to welcome back to the show a good friend of the program and a good friend personally, 
Uh, you may know him as a political activist, and the left knows him as an all-around troublemaker, but that's all right around these parts. Uh, you probably, uh, if you don't, then shame on you, also know him as the purveyor of the conservative daily briefing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Ken Crow. Uh, Ken, first of all, been way too long since you've been with us. Uh, all my fault, of course, but uh, thanks for coming back, and how the heck are you? We are doing fine. A bit frosty in Iowa. It was minus four last night, and tonight it's worse. We're going down to minus 13. So, uh, yeah, just trying to keep the toes warm, (laughs) keep the coffee pot full, and try to survive it, basically. But, yeah, do it great. All right. Well, before we get into anything too serious, uh, I know you're still an NFL football fan. Uh, We've gotten uh, through the first two weekends of the playoffs. We're headed towards that that ever-coveted Super Bowl weekend upcoming in February. Uh, How are your teams doing so far? What are you thinking about the, uh, the playoffs to this point? You just had to bring that up, didn't you, Tim? (laughs) (laughs) My Packers were crushed in the last couple of seconds of the game. Woe is me. Uh, So now I'm kind of rooting for Kansas City, but all my teams are out, and I'm rooting for Kansas City. Uh, Just because I don't think Cincinnati can win, and I despise the 49ers and and the Rams. So – I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I'm afraid I'm right there with you. After uh, Cincinnati managed to pull off uh, the upset of the Titans, that kind of left me a little downhearted, too. So, uh, yeah, let's go KC. Let's go KC, pulling for the Chiefs. Yeah, go, my homie. You're doing great. Keep up the good work. (laughs) That kid's something else, isn't he? He is. He is really good. He is good. So, anyway. Yes, so, and how is – Tennessee doing East Tennessee or you guys hanging in there and well you know staying warm and all that we're we're doing our best we actually had a little bit of a uh, a warm up the last couple of days although today was kind of scary we we got all the way up to just a smidge under 60 which feels like a heat wave after a consistent uh, 20 degrees and less uh, but uh, now today we, we, we got up there. It felt nice. We were running around without jackets on, and, you know, we were having that relative nicety. And then uh, right about sunset, the wind started blowing and the, the temperature started dropping, and, and we're going to be down in the 20s uh, by the time the sun comes back up. So uh, we're chilling back down. We're expecting some possible precipitation for the winter, which, yeah, you know, the upcoming weekend, a little bit bigger deal here because we don't get as much of it. So we don't have a lot of folks who know what to do in it. So, you know, experience is important in a well, lot of different places. Well, we are, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're a little cooler than that up here in Iowa. Yes, sir. Yeah. See, that's, anyway, that's part so, of why I live in Tennessee, so I don't have to stay that cool in the winter. But uh, yeah, uh, let's let's get into the the real reason you're here, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about a couple of articles that uh, you posted uh, on uh, Conservative Daily Briefing uh, here in a little bit. But before that, uh, 
Yeah, it used to be tradition on the show. In the last couple of uh, years, I haven't been able to do it. Uh, you always participated in it. You were great to do so. Uh, we used to get together and have a roundtable discussion with some other hosts, other people that I know pay, yes. pay better attention. We kind of do a, a, a review of the last year and kind of what we're looking for in this year. Uh, and given that we just had the uh, the calendar year of the first full year of the Biden administration. Uh, there's a, a lot of things I'd like to kind of cover slightly before we get into those major issues. So uh, if you want to kind of play advocate, we can we can kind of ease into the uh, harder parts. So uh, if you don't mind me asking, when, when you look back at uh, 2021, uh, what do you feel like were some of the uh, bigger stories, and which one would you think is the most important news story uh, that uh, maybe didn't get the coverage it should have? Wow. Well, my first comment is, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. I had to get that in there. Uh, the biggest news story that should have been a news story that wasn't, I would have to say, now this is just my personal opinion, uh, foreign policy. I think Joe Biden's foreign policy has been covered up with COVID on purpose. His foreign policies have been a total debacle and devastating for this nation, i.e. rejoining the Paris Climate Accord that's going to wipe out our industrial base and a million jobs in the next six years. That's one of them. Uh, his handling of China and his inability to handle China and the fact that China is getting ready to seize millions of people's liberty and freedom in Taiwan, I think that should be getting a lot bigger press than it's getting. But again, they're covering it up because he's so inept and I, I don't know that he really wants to change anything. Uh, and now, and just in recent weeks, his, uh, his, uh, dipping his toes into Ukraine with Russia and literally setting us up for war with Russia is, is just an absolute nightmarish situation, in my opinion. So, Tim, to be honest with you, I, I think his foreign policy is his biggest failures, uh, back home something you don't hear about and I, I do need to mention this you know today there's and it's trending on Twitter uh, 1.9 million uh, or 6 million one point is 1.6 million uh, illegal aliens crossed and were apprehended that's the word apprehended and that's the word that was trending on Twitter a little while ago well I've got a good friend of mine, and uh, she'd be a great interview for you, by the way, Miss Jan Morgan, who's running for the U.S. Senate in Arkansas. Well, recently, it's been about three months ago, she went to the border, and they took cameras. And here's what's really going on on the border. Yes, we're apprehending them for about 10 minutes. They walk up the bank from the river. They go to a desk, literally a desk set up in the middle of the woods by the Rio Grande River and uh, they're met by a couple of guys in green jumpsuits and 
say U.S. Border Patrol on their backs, and uh, they write their name down. It could be any name. They have no idea. <laughs> then they're handed a bag. Tim, I'm serious about this. I've seen the videotape. They're handed a bag, and in the bag is a bunch of money, a preloaded Visa card, a food stamp card. They're told how to go to the grocery store and buy food. Then they're asked, where do you want to go? And in this case, when Jan was videotaping, the, these four individuals actually said Arkansas. They said, okay. And they handed them vouchers, and they sent them over to a bus where they were driven to the airport and put on a plane for Arkansas. And that's <coughs> And they're not telling the American people about it. But that is how these people are showing up in New York, California, Wyoming, wherever, you know. They're just going wherever they want to go, and we're shipping them. Yeah. Well, you know, I kind of had this feeling for a while, uh, back when the media was actually still talking a little bit about uh, the border policy and Biden's total disaster there, that that certain states were being targeted to send more of these people, especially the ones that they uh, – that they discovered were COVID positive. Uh, they were sent into the places like Florida and Tennessee and uh, any other place that had tried to already open up. So um, I don't know if you saw that pattern either, but yeah, it's absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, that's a great expression of U.S. taxpayer dollars at work right there. Uh, here, we'll set you up. We'll send you where you want to go. Uh, now show up for your court date, even though we're sending you to a place where your court isn't going to be. <laughs> uh, absolutely just, yeah it's, and, and they're doing it and they're doing it and i'll tell you why they're doing it they're particularly flooding texas mm -hmm. now for those of you listening listen very carefully the purpose of flooding texas is one of the things in texas that that is on the books is you don't have to have a photo id to vote in texas you only have to prove that you're a citizen of Texas. And to do that, you can go to the polling booth with literally an electric bill or a water bill or a cable bill with your name on it and your address. And as long as that address fits within that voting precinct, you can vote in Texas. And what they're doing in Texas is trying to turn the state blue. And they're not far off from doing it. And if they can turn Texas blue, you will never see another White House on the right side of the political spectrum. Because Texas is just too many electoral votes to overcome. Uh, we The Republicans could literally win Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania and still lose the election because of the amount of electoral votes Texas has. Yeah. So that that's what they're trying to do. They're they're desperately trying to turn Texas blue, Arizona blue. They've got Nevada now. They own California, Washington, Oregon, and all those states plus the northeast seaboard. And they pretty much got a hammer lock on Minnesota and uh Wisconsin, although Wisconsin does occasionally go red periodically, but for the most part, it's a union state. It's a labor state, blue-collar state, and they're typically blue like Pennsylvania. Right. 
So basically what you're telling me is that we probably should side with the left now uh, in their effort to do away with the Electoral College because that might be the only way we ever win another presidential election. (laughs) No, I I think what we what I would rather see happening is is. you have to prove proof of citizenship and show a photo ID. That's what I'd rather see what happen. You know, see right. that happen. How dare you, sir? You are clearly a bigoted racist for deciding that you have to have photo ID. I, yeah. It, the, oh well. <laughs> the, left, the left is absurd. Um, yeah, I, it, it is obvious that that is their goal, and, and the fact that. Beto, uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke, still continues to have a political career at all in the state, tells you that there is some level of democratic power there. Uh, For a while now, we've seen Dallas, uh, the the Dallas-Fort Worth connection. We've seen Austin, uh, and then there are a few other cities that have went pretty blue within the state. But it's still not been enough to turn the state even purple just yet. But they are well on their way. Um, obviously, that's uh, something that we do need to be concerned about. I, I would love to uh, to see some really strong Republicans get back up and uh, start doing the messaging thing a little bit better. Because here's the thing about bringing Hispanic people into the country uh, to try to do that with. Uh, they're coming from places where despite the economic disadvantages, they do tend to typically, and I I hate to stereotype, we've been told it's so bad, uh, Ken, uh, obviously I'm a bad guy, I'm going to stereotype, but uh, they're generally way more conservative in their values. They they believe in family, they believe in faith. Uh, Even the gangster drug runners believe in uh, some of these values. Uh, That's not necessarily a sales pitch to bring them here, but these are people that typically don't buy into what the political left in this country has to sell. Well, you're you're very correct, and of course, we all know that 95 percent of them are, are Catholics, and they all have a bobblehead Jesus on the dashboard. But <laughs> I say that was your cue to laugh. You were supposed to laugh at that joke. <laughs> I, anyway, I, I chuckled just a little too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Wolfgang. Jack, what was his name? Wolfgang Jack, the old DJ from the 50s and 60s. Yeah. He used to broadcast out of Tijuana, Mexico, 100 years ago, back when they had clear channel, 50,000 watt clear channel stations down there. And one of his advertisers for the program was this company that made bobblehead Jesus statues that went on your dashboard of your car. And I remember those ads. I don't know why I just thought of that, but they were hysterical. Anyway, long story short, yes, they they do. They typically, if you go to Mexico, and I used to live in Mexico uh, back in my youth, and the families down there are run by Mamacita. They run that family. And they're very, very family-oriented people. They're very, very devoted Catholics. Uh, they're they're very conservative in many ways. The problem is, is they get here, they don't know much about our political system, and the people handing them the bag full of money is telling them to vote Democrat and literally instructing them on how to do this. I kid you not. 
and they make them promise to go to the polls and vote when there's an election. And they're literally doing this. And, hey, we're the Democrats. We're the ones that just gave you your freedom and gave you all this money, and we're going to help you with an apartment rent. We're going to help you do blah, blah, blah. We're going to, oh, by the way, we're going to give you money every month. So you owe your political allegiance to us. And that's what's transpiring. And But it's really funny because you're, conversely, I shouldn't say it's funny, but conversely, now you go to New Mexico and you go to Arizona and you talk to the Hispanics that have been here for 15 years, do work jobs as bricklayers, some of the hardest working men you'll ever see in your life are guys making those cinder tile fences in July in Phoenix around these million dollar homes. These guys are just incredible, and they're they're hard workers, very hard workers. They're becoming more conservative. Mm-hmm. They're they're seeing what's going on. They don't like this any more than you and I do, because now these I don't know what they refer to them as, but these new infiltrators are getting all these pre benefits and all this stuff, and I'm still having to work in the 114-degree sun uh, for my $15 an hour. And that's what's going on now. And so you're starting to see the tide turn. The new illegal aliens are Democrats, but the old ones that have become established and purchased homes and own a new Chevy truck through GMAC and all that, they're becoming Republicans. Yeah, and uh, I think we can point towards one major factor that helped to turn a lot of the Hispanic community uh, in the direction of the party, uh, that being uh, one a certain orange man who's bad, uh, you know, the kicker of puppies and eater of babies, uh, the climate arsonist, uh, Donald. Uh, yes, the midnight, the midnight tweeter. <laughs> yes. yes, Donald John Trump. Uh, he, you know, for a man who's so racist, he's really, really bad at it. And, you know, he's done more single-handedly to bring uh, people of color, the term the left like to use, uh, into the realization that uh, the conservatives in America, and it just don't assume conservatism based on if they have an R at the end of the name. You and I both know that doesn't necessarily mean that. But the conservatives in this country uh, really don't care about color. They want everyone to be successful. Uh, I think Trump went a long way towards helping that, which is part of why the Democrats still can't stand Trump, which leads me to my next question. uh, And this will be the last one about assessing uh, the last year before we get into more specifics in some of these articles. And that is – and I think I know the answer. I think it's connected here. What do you think was the most overblown story in the media uh, over 2021? Uh, election fraud. Uh, because it did not matter. Yeah. Once the election was certified, it was over. Right. And it needed to go, just go away. There, there were no provisions in there to bring number 45 back. There wasn't anything in the Constitution for any of that that I'm aware of. 
I, I think it was played and played and played to make Republicans and conservative and Trump supporters look like fools and look like idiots. And some of that we probably brought on ourselves. But uh, for the most part, I think it was just a narrative that they ran with as long as they could to make our side look stupid in the eyes of the American people and to create more division. I think it was more division than anything. Because this administration, everything they do is to create a further wedge between the American people, the haves, the have-nots, the conservatives, the liberals, the, you know, the, the tea partiers, the whatever. I, I think that is what's more detrimental than anything in this country right now. And this guy ran on unification, and he's anything but unification. Well, you know, Kent, there are two ways to unify people. Uh, One is to get them to come together and understand that, yes, we have differences, but we have more things in common, uh, which is kind of what we were promised. And then there's the other that he's trying to force, and that's uh, you will agree with us or we will shut you down and shut you up. Uh, That's the kind of unification they're actually trying to do, I think. Well, they're not trying. They're doing it, Tim. And you you know it as well as I do. I mean, there's even talk now that if you are a Christian Republican veteran that owns a gun, you're now labeled as a domestic terrorist. Yeah. Well, my God, you go south of the Mason-Dixon line, and that's nearly every home. Yeah, that, that's... Uh, uh, about <laughs> eighty two thirds of it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's about eighty eight percent that is <laughs> that uh, definition. But that's not that much different from under the Obama uh, administration when they were trying to say that every veteran, regardless of skin tone and uh, ethnicity and religion, uh, were automatically suffering from uh, PTSD. Therefore, you were mentally unstable, and therefore you should no longer be legally allowed to have a firearm you know it was definitely just an extenuation from there and go ahead but tim the big difference is this guy has ordered the justice department to open up an entire branch of government thugs to go around and enforce this right that's the difference this guy has not just said it he hasn't just called us He's actually acting on it, and that is a huge concern because there is no more Fourth Amendment. There is no more due process. There is no more. You are, and under the new NDA laws, if you fit one of these criteria, your ex-wife can pick up the phone and have them come out to your house, pick you up and all your guns. And now all of a sudden you're sent to a gulag someplace and where that is, I don't know. And I don't know what they're doing there yet, but they are yeah, something systematically doing this. And it's frightening. It's frightening as hell to me. Uh, given uh, Joe Biden's connections with China, something tells me that I would be lucky enough when they come to pick me up to end up working alongside some uh, Uyghur Muslims, if, if you know what I mean. Uh, yes, I will make – got to learn Chinese now, and I have to make these little chips so uh, that the Chinese can still have uh, computers. 
either that or you're going to be building railroads in northern China someplace. Yeah, one of the two. Uh, working in a salt mine. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, back to the, your selection of the division, I, that definitely led to one of the more politically charged uh, suggestions. Uh, we spent most of 2020 watching the so-called Summer of Love uh, as both Antifa and Black Lives Matter Incorporated were literally burning down cities, but that was just peaceful protesting. Uh, then we Correct. had the incident at the Capitol on uh, uh, January 6th, and that, for some strange reason, uh, remains an insurrection, uh, which also, uh, for an insurrectionist, most of those guys were really bad at the idea. Uh, I, I've spent a lot of time trying to get people to understand it was not an insurrection. It wasn't a good thing. It was a protest that got out of hand. And depending on how far you want to go down the rabbit hole, uh, there are a lot of questionable things that occurred. And at the end of the day, there was only one person that lost their lives as a direct result, and that was the Air Force veteran, Miss Ashley Babbitt. Outside of all that, though, they are so desperate to keep the insurrection narrative alive, not because they think it was an insurrection, but because they are scared to death of the return of Donald Trump. They're trying to desperately find some way to make him ineligible to hold that office again. That's the need for that division that they're sowing, the, the seeds that are there. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely did right with your selection of the most overblown coverage because most of us, we had some serious questions about the illegalities that took place in places like Pennsylvania where they literally violated their state constitutions to make COVID-19 exemptions to make voting easier. Uh, there was reason to, uh, you know, to not necessarily uh, – Except those ballots as they were portrayed out because they were done essentially illegally. But what most people don't recognize is that even when you toss those numbers out, all you really do is you have to send it back to the state legislator, have them send you a different remedied batch. Uh, they could do that relatively quickly, and there's no guarantee anything changes. But the way the numbers fell down, even if you threw out Pennsylvania and Michigan, I think was the other one that was a, a deadlock to get tossed out, uh, the, Biden still technically had enough to to still claim the office. So it was it was not a great scenario, definitely not a great look. And I'm still not necessarily convinced that conservatives uh, initiated everything there, but then that's my own tinfoil hat showing. And perhaps my own bias, because I just I don't want to believe that. But, Ken, you and I have seen uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of conservative protests. And the, the funny thing about that, Ken, is almost every time I've seen the places where they get together to have the rallies, and they're really more rallies than protests, but they're almost always cleaner than they were when we got there. And Correct. law enforcement doesn't really have much of an issue unless counter-protesters show up and start something. In fact, it wasn't even until recently that we even had groups like the Proud Boys that were showing up not as racist and troublemakers, but just to try to push back against Antifa. That's the real purpose there. But it's just it's infuriating to see the left uh, use these tactics and then turn around and accuse us of doing the same things when it takes Ten minutes on the Google machine, which is one of their tools, the left's tools, 
10 minutes on Google, and you can easily find out the historical truth is just the opposite of what they're claiming. It's mind-boggling, Kenneth. Any final thing you'd like to say about the insurrection before we uh, change topics? Well, I, I I would like to say this. Uh, one of the things that was so distressing about that was when President Trump called on Mike Pence to stand up and, you know, overturn this and do this, that, and the other, when he constitutionally couldn't do that. And that, and, and, and it, it sort of infuriated the crowd, but I will say this, I know for a fact, because I, I was invited to speak at the event that was being held on the steps of the U.S. Capitol. Uh, or right there by the Capitol in a grassy area right by the steps. And that was the one that I believe Alex Jones put on. And then you had Trump further down the mall doing his. There were three going on, I believe three. I know for certain there were two speeches and events going on simultaneously that day. And uh, I had some friends. I, I got a phone call. I was literally at the Illinois-Iowa border uh, two nights before this, and I was driving to Washington, D.C. And I was going to get in there the afternoon before January on the 5th and uh, had a nice hotel room set up and everything. And I turned around and came home because I got a phone call telling me, Ken, don't go. So I turned around and came home. And now I'm really glad I did. But I had a couple of friends that were there all morning before the speeches started. And they called me and told me, said, Ken Antifa's here. And they're dressed in Trump gear. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's where we're going to have to leave my conversation with Ken Crow for now. But I promise you, we're not done with it. That conversation will continue uh, in upcoming broadcast. Uh, I would like to promise you, guarantee you, that we finish up that conversation in the next one. But here's the thing. Every time I promise something like that, something almost always happens. But I guarantee you, we will get there. In the meanwhile, I do want to remind everybody once again, if you listen to the show on SoundCloud and you recently saw shows uh, popping back up, and you see that large gap in between uh, the previous broadcast, there are a whole lot of shows that did happen in between there. So I want to invite you to, to come find the show someplace else where they have podcasts or come visit me at tapintothetruth.com and uh, go to the past broadcast show and get caught up. You've got a lot of catching up to do. Uh, also want to remind everybody that uh, also upcoming guests include Doug Giles, you know, uh, Serge Daly uh, is a powerhouse website and he is co-host of uh, a great podcast uh, and it's just been a while. He's a prolific writer. He's taken uh, to uh, oil painting, too. He's got a lot of great oil paintings. Uh, he is he literally is ministering uh, these days. But he's got that uh, attitude. It's not very Warnock-like uh, where, oh, yeah, we can be pro-choice pastors. It's uh, a reminder that uh, we're filled with the spirit to be brave and bold. 
not timid and weak. And that uh, sometimes when somebody asks you, what would Jesus do? The correct answer is turn over tables and take a whip to somebody. (laughs) Uh, That is Doug Giles. Uh, And I swear, every time he's on, I honestly feel like I... I have to get ready in only one way. The only real show prep that I need for a Doug Giles conversation is a big cigar and uh, some uh, some straight whiskey. <laughs> that's, that, that's what's necessary. Anyway, I'm looking forward to talking with Doug, and uh, we'll get that conversation aired. And uh, this weekend, I'm supposed to get uh, together with uh, Miss Ann Uvellis host of Southern Sense Talk Radio, and uh, we'll have a conversation not that dissimilar to the one that I'm having with Ken that you'll get to hear the rest of. And uh, and once I have 100% this new software working like it should, uh, we'll start getting Ron Edwards on here on the regular and start scheduling a lot more guests. In the meanwhile, if you really, really want to hear the rest of that conversation with Ken, and I I hope you do because we're just getting to some interesting uh, Donald Trump stories, be sure to tune back in and stay vigilant. I, uh, I'm pretty certain that I will play the rest of that for you on the next broadcast. So anyway, that's going to be it for today. Uh, again, thank you so very much for being here, especially if you've made it to the end. Uh, as always, please visit my website and uh, please visit patriotmusic.com. Please visit... Uh, conservative daily briefing check out uh, southern-sense.com look for don smith at locals.com you know find uh, ron edwards at the ron edwards.com you know these are the places i try to send you on the regular because i'm afraid you're not getting there very often in the meanwhile boys and girls that is going to be it for today i would like to remind you Don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, you know, stay safe if you can. Stay healthy if possible. And uh, be smart out there, guys. Even if it goes against your nature. With all that said, I'm out of here. Have a great one. And uh, we'll be back. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, let's go.
don't feel safe if you are armed You say gun control is using both hands Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Is using both hands Well I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223 Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family Using both hands. <laughs> <laughs>